This Lent, I think we're going to receive a report from the Holy Father in the Vatican on former Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, who, by all accounts, is a very corrupt man. And so, when you look out in the world, who needs mercy more? You or Ted McCarrick? This is Father John Arnold, and this is Oral Valley Catholic. In the gospel today, Jesus says, So be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus is talking about charity, not sinlessness. We should be generous with others as God is generous with us. If taken out of context, however, we get into this weird game of shoots and ladders. That if we do something good, we're taken up closer to God. If we do something bad, it's like landing on that spot where the chute takes us back down. What is God's mercy? What role does it have in our life? Can we actually get ourselves out of sin? Because if that was the case, we wouldn't need God at all. And so today's story is a story about the struggle about our need for mercy, really illustrated in a story about a woman from the 17th century named Mère Angelique Arnaud. She was a reforming crusader, and she was a very sincere Catholic woman. She was the abbess of a famous convent on the outskirts of Paris, France, known as Port Royal. And this really is the story of Jansenism. And at the heart of it is how we think about God's mercy. You know the question I raised about Theodore McCarrick. The question is, is can we be open to mercy? Can we change? I think most Catholics have heard the term Jansenism, and, or at least have heard the concept. The Jansenist God is a pretty scary God. It's a God that knows everything. He knows whether you're going to go to heaven or hell. The future is written. There's really not much you can do about it. Jansenists were entirely focused on how they could become sinless. And so Jansenism would be characterized by extreme penances and mortifications. It still has a grip in Catholicism. The idea is if you wear a, a hair shirt or if you flagellate yourself, you'll certainly learn to lose your love of sin. You have to beat down the body because that's the source of sin. Uh, our appetites as they mislead us. But you know, that's not how Jesus talks about uh, perfection in the gospel today. But let's take a moment and talk about Jansenism. Because Jansenists were very sincere Catholics. They were also very proud Catholics. They were Catholics that wouldn't listen to the Pope, the Bishop, the Priest, or anyone else for that matter. Because they were the Catholics that knew better. Here's the story of a famous Jansenist nun named Mère Angelique Arnaud and her story of how she became abbess of Port Royal and what she did with her authority. In describing the nuns at Port Royal and Mère Angelique in particular, the Archbishop of Paris said that they were as pure as angels and as proud as devils. 
You know, the most damning sins aren't really the sins of the flesh, lust and gluttony and avarice, but the sins of the spirit, pride and envy and jealousy. And we believe that because that's the sin of Satan and the fallen angels. And so when you look at, listen to the story of Mary Angelique, it's how it is that she closed herself off to anyone who wanted to try to bring more balance to her life. So now, this is the kind of person Mary Angelique was. She is either full on or full off. She's the person you've known in your life that, well, possibly got into some horrible behaviors. They could have been drug dealers or very promiscuous. Had a conversion experience, and then they became holier than anybody else. It was just, you could either be to one extreme or the other. Uh, there wasn't any balance in, in her. But the fundamental flaw of Jansen's thinking was that God was only there for the perfect. And so that led to practices like weekly confession because you couldn't go to, com to communion with any sin on your soul. And that endured years after Angelique's death. So here's the story of Amir Angelique Arnaud. Angelique was born in 1591. It was the time of Shakespeare, the famous French writers, Blaise Pascal, a Jansenist himself, Michel de Montaigne. It was also the time of the Catholic uh, Counter-Reformation. And so it was a time when society was in great flux. There were a lot of changes. And truthfully, the Catholic Church's uh, attempts at self-reform were kind of hit and miss. Some spectacular uh, hits. Uh, St. Francis de Sales, St. Vincent de Paul, St. John of the Cross, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Jean Francis de Chantel, and a bunch of others. But on the flip side were people like Mère Angelique, who were kind of religious nuts, but pulled people into their orbit because they seemed to be able to give the formula for salvation. But everybody has a backstory. Mary Angelique had a backstory. You know, when she was seven years old, her grandfather told her she was free to do whatever she wanted to do in life as long as she became the abbess at Port Royal, a convent of nuns out in the suburbs of Paris. And so she was sent off for training for how to be an abbess, and she was sent to this convent, which was notoriously loose in its morals. Uh, nuns had their boyfriends spending the night. They had lavishly decorated um, uh, rooms. It's not how we think about nuns. I mean, just think of this culture where a young woman, seven years old, is told what the rest of her life is going to be because her grandfather wants it that way. She spent her first years as abbess. She became abbess at age of 11. She spent her first year, she says, depressed, lonely, reading romantic novels, and wondering what would happen if she could marry the man of her dreams, just like her Protestant aunt did. Part of the Counter-Reformation was the importance of teaching Catholics about their faith because uh, the whole idea of catechesis was really hit and miss. When Angelique was sent to that convent, that first convent to be trained to be the abbess at Port Royal, she was given her only religious instruction as a young child, and she probably didn't know the difference between a sacrament and a sacramental. She made her first communion on the day, at age 11, when she was made 
the abbess of Port Royal. Actually, her mother and an older nun ran the convent until uh, Angelique came of age. Uh, but her life changed when this Capuchin uh, friar, you the Capuchins are a branch of the Franciscan family, came and preached apparently this wonderful mission to her. And he was a very healthy guy. But she said there was just something wrong about how she lived her life. St. Teresa of Avila had a similar uh, conversion experience about 50 years before that. And she is a doctor of the church. But it's what Angelique did with this conversion experience. She began to shop around. And she shopped around for spiritual directors that would tell her what she wanted to hear. You know who one of her first spiritual directors was? Was St. Francis de Sales. Wow, if you want a good spiritual director, that's the guy you want. He has still read his book, Introduction of the Devout Life, still one of the classic texts on how to pursue the life of holiness because it's so reasonable, it's so balanced. And so, of course, he was not a good fit for Angelique because she wanted to make great progress in the spiritual life. So instead, she found a spiritual director that told her what she wanted to hear. It was like pouring gas on the fire. And the grisly end of Jansenism was that she died, uh, still defending her beliefs. She's excommunicated. Uh, Jansenism is condemned. And I think 10 or 15 years after her death, uh, her convent is torn down by the king of France because it's created such havoc in the church in France. So is that what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about perfection? Let's turn to the gospel. The Jansenists had their idea of perfection, but Jesus had a very different one. This is Jesus's idea of perfection. He says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to the one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. And if anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. For he makes his sun rise on the bad and the good and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? And so then he concludes, so be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. Christian perfection does not consist of being sinless. Christian perfection is trying to imitate the goodness and the love of God. And so our generosity, opening hand, our hands to our brothers and sisters in almsgiving, our love of enemies, our willingness to forgive wrongs, especially wrongs which uh, have done us harm, we do not pour gas on the fire. We don't live out of our grudges. And we help others. We help others as God helps others. And if what you believe is God has helped you even when you didn't deserve it, well, 
To be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect means you help people that probably don't deserve it either. Built into Jesus's uh, preaching on perfection is this radical generosity. So think of these examples. Uh, the idea of eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, was Moses in Exodus limiting the right of revenge. If someone plucks out your eye, you don't get to kill him, his spouse, all their kids, and, and burn down all their crops and steal all their livestock. There is a limit, according to Moses, to revenge. Jesus takes it one step further. He tells you, don't be revenged on your neighbor. And so when someone delivers you an uh, insult, don't pour gas on the fire. Uh, don't, uh, don't trade tit for tat. Uh, the thing about uh, generosity, it's uh, when it talks about the man that asks for your, for your clothing, what it really means is it says, if a man sues you for your underwear, give him the rest of your clothes also. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't pursue justice, but boy, people can get uh, completely out of whack in regard to God and love of neighbor if you simply focus on constantly trying to make the scales balance. And so when he talks about when uh, someone forces you to go one mile, go two with them, he's talking about Roman soldiers who conscript people into doing projects for the Mo Roman military. Do you remember when Jesus is, uh, is crucified? The Romans get Simon of Cyrene to carry his cross for him. There's an example of, cons of uh, conscription, conscripted labor. And then he echoes uh, Moses' uh, teaching in the Old Testament about opening your hands generously to your neighbor. And so what's the picture Jesus is, is painting of what perfection is? He says, uh, justice isn't of this world. We're all gonna put up with some injustice. We're gonna get conscripted when we don't wanna get conscripted. But if you wanna be at peace and really uh, show love towards other people, be like God, because we do horrible things to God, but he doesn't hit us with lightning bolts. So Jesus is using hyperbole here to make a point. And the point is, there is no future in, uh, in anger. There is no future in being ungenerous. So Lent is approaching, and we've talked about the Jansenist approach to self-help. And if you haven't signed up for a small group yet, you ought to. I mean, the first chapter is on salvation is not self-help. It's a great way to think your way through Lent and your own spiritual life. But when we think about perfection as Jesus is talking about perfection, here's some takeaways I think from the gospel today. When you disagree with other people, and you should, you don't do it angrily. You ought to disagree with other people, but you ought to disagree better. Listen to what they have to say. Tell them when they've made a good point. Concede things to them when they seem to have really kind of hit on something. Maybe that's not important to you. You might even think it's a side note, but it's how you make a connection with people. And then when you get a chance to speak, be rational. Um, don't abuse other people or don't return insult for injury. Uh, there has to be this lag time 
between the people that annoy us. And yes, we all get annoyed. But control is the lag time to control what your response is. Otherwise, tit for tat is so much of what happens in the Twitter world and in uh, the media around us. And I think Americans are increasingly geared to that. How do you kind of put yourself in position for that? Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, which are, by the way, all the things that we really concentrate on Lent. So be generous with people in your thought, in your word, and your deed. Don't nurse grievances in your interior life. Um, none of these things I just said are going to take away sin from your life. But it's how you work against sin so that it doesn't take over your entire life. We have to cooperate with God, but we're cooperating with God's help. And that ultimately, even our best impulses, uh, our desires to do this really come from God. They come from Jesus's preaching. I mean, when we listen to the scriptures, that's an experience of God's grace. So Mary Angelique and the Jansenists. You know, Jansenism ultimately is this game of shoots and ladders. When you get into the game of thinking that somehow you're going to get away from any sin, and when you get away from any sin, then you can tell other people how they can get away from sin also, because they just have to learn to think like you. Well, that kind of thinking easily leads to a, a Catholicism that is really just focuses on the human part of how it is we've come closer or further away from God. You know, salvation is God's free gift of grace to us. What we can do, and we're all called to holiness, is to cooperate with that grace. You know, Lent begins this Wednesday. There's some things you can do. You can call the front office or email them over there and get a copy of that book, Salvation, What Every Catholic Needs to Know. You could do something to build community by participating in, self, in, in our small groups, and you can sign up online for that. But you also should think about how prayer, fasting, and almsgiving are going to be part of your life. You know, what Jansenists did is they focused everything on these self-mortifications. Because they were wrong about how it is, or at least very extreme about how they looked at these things, doesn't mean that we should lose the value of our Christian uh, practice of discipline. Uh, almsgiving inspires us, hopefully, to be generous with other people. Uh, prayer, to always remember when we talk to God, we're not equals. We are always beggars when it comes to God. He calls his friends because he has condescended to lift us up, not because of our inherent goodness or anyone else's for that matter. And then in terms of fasting, we just remember Ash Wednesdays and the Fridays of Lent, and let's try to be sincere and consistent about what our obligations are. Uh, I hope Mayor Angelique goes to heaven. I hope that Cardinal McCarrick somehow is saved. How all that happens, I really don't know, but I trust in a good and merciful God. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't condemn human corruption when we see it, but I've always thought it was a healthier attitude when we look out in the world and some of the dark personalities of our own time, especially within the church, and think to ourselves, but for the grace of God, there go I. 
So this has been another episode of Oro Valley Catholic, and this is Father John Arnold. You know, the book I read that I really enjoyed about perfection was by a, a woman author, Colleen Carroll Campbell. It's called The Habit of Perfection, and it was a great read. She does a better job of telling uh, Mara Angelique's story than I did, but she also talks about other saints, men and women, and their struggles with perfectionism and God's mercy. If you're looking for some good reading this Lent, you might consider that, along with our book on salvation by Dr. Michael Barber, which you can pick up in the front office. Just give them a call. And please think about building community by joining a small group.